welcome to Gutsy Matters Podcast, brought to you by storednaturally.com. I'm Wendy Allen. And I'm Helen Reynolds. Gutsy Matters Podcast is for independent thinkers who aren't afraid to stand out from the crowd. Our conversations are with people who, like us, are willing to create something they believe in, something that helps us all to live more sustainably, more consciously, and with greater connection. We're delighted you're joining us to discover, uncover, and create opportunities and perspectives about health, wealth, and sustainable living. In this Gutsy Matters podcast episode, we have the pleasure in speaking with Councillor Rebecca Von Hoff from the Toowoomba Regional Council in southeast Queensland, Australia. Rebecca studied at the University of Queensland, the University of Southern Queensland, and the Freie Universität in Berlin. She worked for 16 years in news media across local, state, national and international publications, has been the deputy editor of the Chronicle newspaper in Toowoomba, reported for the Australian in Sydney, sub-edited for the Courier Mail in Brisbane and was deputy foreign editor of the Globe and Mail, Canada's national newspaper, while living in Toronto. She has a PhD in German history and tutored and guest lectured at the University of Queensland and is the author of publications in the Australian Journal of Politics and History, as well as the co-editor of 150 Years of German-Queensland Relations. She has also worked as Communications and Marketing Manager for Russell Mineral Equipment in Toowoomba and was elected into the Toowoomba Regional Council in 2020. Rebecca is Chair of the Water and Waste Portfolio for the Toowoomba Regional Council and the Deputy Chair of the Council Local Government Disaster and Management Group. Rebecca has lived in Brisbane, Sydney, Berlin and Toronto, but Toowoomba is her home and we're really pleased to have her on our podcast today. So welcome, Rebecca. Hello, hello. (laughs) Thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. It's wonderful that you could come in. I know how busy you are on council, so it's lovely for you to give us your time. So today we wanted to talk about the waste and recycling part of your portfolio, which I know that you're very passionate about and very involved with, obviously, as the, the chair of that portfolio for the council. So to start off with, there are some misunderstandings from people about what they should put in their recycle bin. So can you tell us a bit about the do's and don'ts for household recycling? I still get this confused and I and for that reason I think it's one that we need to actually put some labels on bins. What a good idea. So that then people, you know, as they're lifting up the bin lid, they actually see yes, no and and can make that decision there and then. So what you can put in your recycling, paper and cardboard, aluminium cans and foil, steel cans, plastic containers, glass bottles and jars, what you can't. Food, plastic bags, bin liners and soft plastics, no clothes, no um, styrofoam. We can talk about styrofoam later. That's something um, interesting to talk about for TRC. No tissues, no disposable wipes or nappies, crockery, glasses or drinking glasses, oven-proof glass, no e-waste or household appliances, no light bulbs, no chemical or oil containers, no building renovation waste and timber, no green waste, bricks, concrete and all of those sort of things. So it's really interesting with the household waste because I think a lot of people are really wanting to recycle. They're really wanting to help the planet, help the environment and do the right thing. But if it's 
if what they're doing, even though they think they're doing it right, isn't right and therefore it still has to go to landfill, you know, we really need an education program across Australia and I'm sure in other parts of the world as well to say what you can and can't do. Because I know I learned an interesting tip. One of our earlier episodes on the Gutsy Matters podcast, we we interviewed Lisa from Tops Off mm. and they were looking or still are looking at how to recycle all the bottle tops. So when you take your containers for yeah. change to, to get a refund, they the tops come off. So all the plastic milk bottle tops, plastic tops off, soft drink bottles, et cetera, et cetera, um, all then just go into landfill. So their idea was to look at um, recycling them and finding a way that they could mush them down somehow and make them to, into re- recycled filament for mm. plastic filament for 3D printing because 3D printing obviously uses plastic. Mm. And instead of using new plastic, it makes a whole heap of sense to, to recycle something that's been going into landfill. She said, not only do you have to take the milk bottle top off when you put it in your recycle bin, but the little plastic rim that when you unscrew it, you actually have to cut that off and take that off as well or they can't recycle it. So there's some of the myths, I, I guess, that we're sort of wanting to break and, and help people understand of what you can and can't do in terms of recycling from, from a household point of view. So have you got any other information about that sort of thing? Well, I, I would say that there's the the carrot and the stick stuff. So the carrot, I think, in this instance is that people genuinely have a, a, a desire to do better and do well. And so you don't really have to offer that many in, encouragements. But the stick comes in from a, um, from a, a government and an organisational perspective because now there's uh, financial punitive measures in place if we're getting it wrong. And so that probably just doubles down on the need for education because at the end of the day, if we're not doing everything that we should be doing, it falls back to the ratepayers, um, and and it's a there's a financial cost next to that now um, on recyclables and landfill. So I'd just say education campaign, yeah, absolutely. And I haven't really found any major campaigns. I mean, obviously, Plastic Free July is a really really good one about raising awareness about the use of plastic and what happens to plastic. But yeah, I think it is about getting people to understand what they can and can't put in there and where, where it ends up mm. then once they do. And, and if they do put something that's um, incorrect in there, that whole probably more than the rubbish truck full has to go into landfill. Mm. So. We've talked about the sides of the trucks um, and is there an opportunity to use those as basically um, movable bill belt boards en masse and can those be changed up every, you know, three months, six months, 12 months, depending on what the issue is, and raise awareness by putting something on the sides of the trucks? Because, you know, little kids see them and they're always interested to see a garbage truck. And if we can put a message up there and the parents are standing there looking at the trucks as well, or if you're in your car, you notice the garbage trucks. We thought that that was a sort of engaging way of, of getting with people. Yeah, brilliant idea. I mean, imagine if every garbage truck across Australia had messages about recycling and and other messages that would help people understand would be great. You're definitely right about the children. The push for our environmental change is coming from the younger generations and that's not going to change. No, I actually, I so I last year went to one of the schools. It's one of the best parts of my job. I get to go and do these um, you know, mornings where I 
give a little chat to the, the students and I always say, they always say, what's the job of a counsellor? And I say, my job is you're my boss. And, <laughs> and they love it because they're, you know, six and seven, eight years old and they think, I'm your boss. <laughs> <laughs> and then there's always a question time at the end. And honestly, like I do a look <laughs> because they ask these questions and it is, you know, in my job, you have to keep, you have to keep confidence and you have to keep positive. That's actually a really important part of what I do. But it is sometimes hard at the end of those Q&As to not feel like, can can we sort of hold the chin up at the moment? Because they'll ask questions about, what happens when landfill's full? And my answer is, we dig another landfill. And you just think, I hear the words coming out and I, you know... It is the situation at the moment, but I know it's not good enough. They know it's not good enough. So where to from here? Yeah, children have a, a really great knack of bringing things down to reality. It's like this is a reality check and, and they're honest questions, as you say. Mm. So that probably leads us to our next question. It does, actually. <laughs> exactly what I was wondering about because we talked about you mentioned it coming back to the rates. You have to think about the, the financial impact. My husband's always saying to me, don't bother putting that in the recycle bin. They don't recycle it anyway. So what's true and what's not so true about what does get recycled once the bin is collected um, by the council? And just for our listeners, um, the TRC stands for Toowoomba Regional Council. So what's what's true? So when you put your yellow bin out the front of your house and it's picked up, council at this stage doesn't deal with that waste. We have a contract and that waste gets collected and taken down to Brisbane and is sorted and I mean it's a commercial it's a commercial operation. There's money in waste. There's huge money in waste. And you're going to ask me about uh, product stewardship, rightly so, because I do think that times have changed and that people want to know, you know, we learned a lot a couple of years ago when we saw those images of um, waste being shipped off, our problem being shipped off to Southeast Asia and and then that became a political issue for those countries and they said no more. And, and then we had to sort of turn the mirror to ourselves and say, well, what are we doing with our waste? So there has been this shift in people I don't think are happy anymore with just being, you know, it's somebody else's problem. They want to know like the full life cycle of those products. Now we have a contract at the moment and as a local government, we are... Under the Local Government Act, we have to have clear and transparent um, tender processes. So anything that happens commercially has to go through a, a process um, and I, I can't prejudge what's going to happen in the next 6, 12 months when when a big waste management strategy is revamped, um, but it is being revamped. And one of the questions that we are asking ourselves is, instead of putting our recyclables into a contract um, and sending it off to a business, 
do we want to be the ones who are the the sorters and the and do we want to take on that that aspect of the business and it is a business and then we have to ask the question okay is that the core is that core business of local government or is it a commercial operation and we need to be comfortable to leave it there and we need to ask the question are there financial gains to be made for our ratepayers if we do it ourselves is that worth it is that trade-off worth it so these are all of the things that come in reports to us over the next six months that we will be considering and then the next the next question that we'll, we have to ask is if we decide that we as a local government don't want to put off our recycling anymore we want to look we want to deal with it ourselves do we want to turn to the east and be part of we're not the only local government thinking this do we want to be part of southeast Queensland and like the 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 Logans the Ipswiches the Brisbane and so on or do we want to look west and south and north and and be the a, a regional potentially a regional hub for that waste and what's the what's the commercial viability of that so these are all of the things that uh, the time is right for because that co- those contracts are being reconsidered. So at the moment, and I know Toowoomba Regional Council has built some amazing new waste facilities, that cardboard then goes to Brisbane. Is that what you're saying? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we actually lose the, – the honest answer is we lose sight of it. We don't have product stewardship. So we don't know – the business operations of what happens to those products. We have to assume now because of the financial practicalities of waste that it doesn't just end up in landfill because we know that states charge levies, so that's not going to make a business money. But I can't tell you that that piece of cardboard ends up um, being reused in such and such a way. And so last year, actually, we um, put forward a motion to the Local Government Association of Queensland um, for product stewardship to be something that the federal government look at because, like I said there, I do believe that there is that expectation from people that we will have answers to what happens to that piece of cardboard. And also, I do think that there's a big place in policy that could make things easier. So you give the example, say, of a um, shopping bag then, and the shopping bag is very brown and, and green friendly and that's fantastic, but then the handle might be rope and that the rope part can not be recyclable. So people think they're doing the right thing and they put it into their recycling bin, but it that bit... Is that's contamination that might be considered contamination, and so is there policy scope to actually ask the companies that are producing that that bag to say no, the whole thing has to be able to be recycled? Or a really good example is a Pringle packet, a Pringle chip container. There's something astronomical about how many components in that packet have to be um, sort of separated for it to be recycled. And we are sort of at the um, bottom of the food chain, I suppose, with this because we deal with the reality. We are the people who see the bins being put out. But, you know, there's a, th- there's a chain that's a 1,000 miles long uh, up upstream of us where all of those decisions about 
the product, like what goes into a piece of a, a chip packet or and, – and I do think that there's probably scope for work to be done um, in the policy that regulates that to make it easier for more recycling. Although there has – there's reasonably new packaging labelling requirements um, and I'm not quite sure when they came in but uh, you'll often see on the back a packet of, of something – that it will have different symbols and it will say the lid is not recyclable but the packet is or take the foil off, you know, like a yoghurt container or something, you know, and different things like that. It'll actually tell you which bits to put in recycling, which is which is a great step. Mm. But in those examples where it's a bag and, and the, the handle may not be recyclable, that's a different issue. Yeah, it, it, it is a real problem. And as you said, people are wanting to know not just where it goes from their bin, they're wanting to know where it actually ends up, yeah. where where that piece of cardboard ends up. Is it pulped and made into something? And, you know, what, you know, lots of things come and they say they're recyclable, but, or they've been, re- they're made from recycled material. But I mean, you do sort of wonder how much of it's actually recycled material and how much extra they've put in of something else. So mm-hmm. yeah, it's, it's an interesting um, topic and we haven't found anyone yet that knows the answers mm-hmm. from go to woe. Mm. Well, because there's there's a lot of money to be made from business at the woe end of, yes. of things, <laughs> and they're probably not going to tell us a lot of it as well. So, but I think it's you know it's probably public right to know where where our rubbish ends up. Well, the time the times they are changing, and I think they're changing pretty quickly. So, uh, and I you know to your point um, about. What about the people who are sort of, you know, the doubters and, and it, there's, it's not worth it? Everyone's entitled to their opinion uh, and and that's all well and good. But I do think that even for those people, now the financial incentives are changing the game and that is that uh, things come back to the hip pocket. It's really simple actually. If we're not recycling well, it costs us more money. That's the long and short of it. And there's... That's being regulated at a state government level and there's no avoiding it. So I know um, that many council across, councils across the world are doing some great innovative projects and, and lots of things are happening in, in terms of waste, as you alluded to with some of those things. And I understand the Toowoomba Regional Council has some exciting concepts in the planning stage. Can you give us any more details? I think there's something around gas emissions or something like that. So... I'm I'm in the portfolio for water and waste and I always feel like water is water is hard because uh water is big money and water is um unfortunately political sometimes and water is in constitutions and all it, it, water in Australia is tricky tricky business and then there's waste and I always feel I feel like they're you know, two children, one that's doing really well and one's that's just like, oh, come on, just just got to work hard on that one. Um, waste, there's lots of good stuff happening. So I'll scale up. So at the small end, if you go out to Omara Road, to the waste management facility at Omara Road, there is a machine there that turns styrofoam into into it basically it's like a monster that chews up the styrofoam and in goes the styrofoam and out the output is it's like a Mr Whippy machine and the styrofoam has become 
this it comes out as a um, semi-solid uh, material and then it uh, dries hard and they usually use it as insulation in housing so what what used to be a problem with styrofoam is being dealt with now and styrofoam was terrible because it would blow away in the breeze and it's just a it takes up a lot of space in in landfill it's a nightmare so that's that's great progress other things we're looking at you know you talk about really good things that are being done in other um, councils and we actually all play pretty nicely together. We we really do try to do that and we recognise that there are places who, where things are being done better and we can learn from them. And we're looking pretty closely at the moment. Morden Bay uh, Council has a situation where they they use sensors on all of the, the trucks so that um, they... It, they serve dual purposes. The trucks drive everywhere. They detect potholes because they're covering lots of kilometres and they report those potholes back and, you know, that's great for the road side of things. But the sensors are also in bins. So instead of just having a regimented, that bin is collected. I'm talking about public spaces now really. But, you know, a bin on Ruffin Street is collected on a Monday. Now... There's technology that says that bin's full on a Friday. You need to you, that it needs to be picked up, or it's not full until a Thursday. Um, emptying it is inefficient because you're emptying three quarters of an empty bin. So we're looking at that emission stuff. We've at Bedford Street. That landfill at Bedford Street has been used for decades, and there's lots of food waste that's been deposited there over the decades. And it creates gas under the ground. And we now have, since I think it was probably about April last year, we, we started flaring that um, that project. So we, we tap down into the gas and it's, it's waste to energy. And we use that to, we're testing at the moment to see just how deep all of those reserves are. But the idea is eventually, in very close proximity, we have Watala, and Watala is our biggest energy consumer as a, a, across the region and the idea is that that gas in that landfill can be used to offset the electricity and the energy needed for Watala. So that's where that we're headed in that direction and that's already started. Um, waste to energy is just a really big space generally because clever people realised a few years ago that there's money in waste and not just recycling but but waste, waste, you know, and some waste is harder to deal with than others. Like tyres are really hard to deal with. Um, mattresses, mattresses are really hard to deal with. And there's actually businesses here locally that are doing very interesting things, Pyrocal um, being one of them. And it's complicated, but how I think of it in my head is in goes waste really high temperature reduces that waste to a, 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 a byproduct. And in the, in the interim, you don't want to be creating emissions because I suspect Australia is on the way. But places like Europe are already there that, that they legislate and mandate that you can't, you can't be reducing waste but increasing emissions. So in the interim, you're not, emi- uh, uh, you're not emitting re- emissions. You have an output 
and that might be charcoal or some sort of char. And then the next step is can you use that output in a, in a great way? And um, the answer is yes, you can. There's all sorts of uses for it. Some of it's agricultural actually. It can be used in feed stock. And, um, and so instead of having tonnes and tonnes of waste, you eliminate the waste and you have an output that can be used again. And th- that's basically the waste to energy space in a nutshell. It's creating something from from what just used to be discarded. So in Bedford Street, which is another waste facility, as you said, how much reserves under there? I mean, you've tapped down to the gas. That's obviously not going to last for that long. Or is it huge? Is it is there actually a huge amount there? So we're still in the testing phase to f- figure out what those wells what's in those wells, but um, it's not insignificant. The capital costs uh, need to, you have to think for the capital costs costs to be justified, it can't just be a, you know, six month, 12 month exercise. It has to be, it has to be longer than that. So you might just explain to listeners who aren't from the area what Watala is. Apologies. So Watala is our uh, wastewater treatment plant. So basically all the re- all the, the, the sewerage goes there and sewerage needs to be dealt with and cleaned up and um, it takes a lot of energy to do that. I mean, they're, they're huge ponds that need to be turned. There's the, it, it, It's a... Um, it's a really interesting place, actually, the, those those sewage treatment plants, because, I mean, that that's another space where I suspect in the next few years we're going to see legislation change what's happening there, because basically there's two outputs from a waste management from a, a sewage treatment plant. There's a liquid and a solid, and the liquid is. Um, water. It's cleaned up and it, and it's released back into water systems. And then there's the solid. And the solid is at this stage. Um, I mean, it's it's a it's a dry, cleaned, um, decontaminated powder sort of um, substance. And at the moment, it's used in particular only only particular cropping as a sort of a fertilizer. But I think as, as we understand more about pharmaceuticals that linger in systems and chemicals as well that need to be treated in particular ways, they, they're not impossible to be dealt with. Like PFAS can be, can be decontaminated, but that's just an example of a, of a contaminant. I would expect to see in the next few years legislation that means that um, that waste, that solid waste, has to be dealt with differently. So you're saying they obviously use a lot of energy mm. to run that whole plant. Mm. So, I mean, that's great if, if from another waste facility, the energy that's derived from there can actually run another waste facility. So it's it's helping the whole costs of the of, of council's cost and ultimately, as you were talking earlier, it affects their pocket. So, you know, if they're saving there, it's, it's great if, if those sorts of things can be done along the way as well. So as we come to wrap up, 
if council was to go to the full management of the waste, you know, if, if, you, if it's no longer contracted out to a commercial business, what could households do, you know, because we, we started the this conversation with the, that we have a lot of young people and older people, but, you know, the whole attitude towards waste is, is changing really rapidly. What can we do at home that would really make a difference? Well, some of it's going to come back to us and that what we started talking about as well with the education because I don't think we can expect households to do stuff when they're not informed. So if we can get information out there and, and, and a you know public awareness campaign, then you know, vigilance in homes, that's what people can do. And they honestly most really are there already, I have to say. I I don't come upon many people who aren't like extremely proactive in this space. The generations that are coming up, like they're 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 so there. I can't be specific, but it would just be um I would say more of what we're already doing, like that the sorting Maybe our future bin situation looks really different to what it is today. So at the moment we've got three, basically the three bin system and maybe the future bins look like this, you know, a smaller general waste, a much bigger recycling and then a a bin that's not just green but maybe organics like food waste or something and and we just are doing things where there's less landfill we're turning the organics into something useful. There's greater recycling because there's a, a, there's a co- there's a benefit. There's a financial benefit in that, and and maybe that's what the future looks like. But this isn't when I say the future. This isn't ways off. Like this is this is 2021. These things are coming before council this year, and. Um, the good folks in the department, the officers that do all of the hard yards and then bring all of the information to us councillors to consider. You know, I know that they're working on that right now. Well, there is a long way to go still. We, we've come a long way as well and so it's, it is progressing and, and there are different countries doing exactly what you say about food waste. I know we could talk for ages and ages about all of this, but uh, yeah, we really want to thank you for your time today and, and giving us a bit of an insight into not only what we can do as, as responsible citizens, but also what council is doing and, and some great initiatives that are happening. So thanks so much. Yeah, no, total pleasure. Very much appreciate the chance and um, good things are coming. If you've enjoyed this conversation and know people who'd be interested in knowing more about this topic, then show them you care and send them the link to this podcast. To keep up with our Gutsy Matters conversations, subscribe and share with your friends. For extras, follow Stored Naturally on Facebook and Instagram. Gutsy Matters podcast is brought to you by Stored Naturally. We are the creators of the all-natural hemp fresh produce enhancer for longer-lasting and healthier fresh food kept in the fridge. Available at storednaturally.com.au